Brothers and sisters, hear the good news. God created the world in six days, and on the seventh day, he rested. And he wanted Adam and Eve to enjoy that rest with him. Though they fell, they sinned, they did not enter into that rest. When Jesus came, he came to heal the lame. He came to give sight to the blind. He came to renew and to restore. He brings rest to God's people again. He delivers his people from the hand of the enemy and into an eternal Sabbath. And when he did this, he did, this, did these miracles. He did these miracles often on the Sabbath to show that he is the one who gives rest. He is the one who gives life and he is the Lord of the Sabbath. So though all around the world may be chaos, the Lord Jesus, through his death and resurrection, has brought you into his rest, into his peace, and into his Sabbath, both now and forevermore. Brothers and sisters, having truly confessed our sins, God himself promises you the forgiveness of the Father, the victory of the Son, and the glory and empowerment of the Holy Spirit. Believe this and rejoice. And God's people say, Amen. Amen. God's word to us this morning begins in Revelation chapter 19, verses 1 through 8. Hear the word of the Lord. After these things, I heard, as it were, a loud voice of a great multitude in heaven saying, Hallelujah! Salvation and glory and power belong to our God, because his judgments are true and righteous, for he has judged the great harlot who is corrupting the earth with her immorality, and he has avenged the blood of his bondservants on her. And a second time they said, Hallelujah! Her smoke rises up forever and ever. And the twenty-four elders and the four living creatures fell down and worshipped God who sits on the throne, saying, Amen. Hallelujah. And a voice came from the throne saying, Give praise to our God, all you his bondservants, you who fear him, the small and the great. And I heard, as it were, the voice of a great multitude, and as the sound of many waters, and as the sound of mighty peals of thunder, saying, Hallelujah, for the Lord our God, the Almighty, reigns. Let us rejoice and be glad and give the glory to him, for the marriage of the Lamb has come. And his bride has made herself ready. And it was given to her to clothe herself in fine linen, bright and clean. For the fine linen is the righteous acts of the saints. We'll turn now to Second Chronicles chapter 20. Beginning in verse 1. Now it came about after this that the sons of Moab and the sons of Ammon, together with some of the Meunites, came to make war against Jehoshaphat. Then some came and reported to Jehoshaphat, saying, A great multitude is coming against you from beyond the sea, out of Aram, and behold, they are in Hazarzan Tamar, that is, in Gedi. And And Jehoshaphat was afraid and turned his attention to seek Yahweh, and proclaimed a fast throughout all Judah. So Judah gathered together to seek help from Yahweh. They even came from all the cities of Judah to seek Yahweh. 
Then Jehoshaphat stood in the assembly of Judah and Jerusalem in the house of Yahweh before the new court, and he said, O Yahweh, the God of our fathers, art thou not God in the heavens, and art thou not ruler over all the kingdoms of the nations? Power and might are in thy hand, so that no one can stand against thee. Didst thou not, O our God, drive out the inhabitants of this land before thy people Israel, and give it to the descendants of Abraham, thy friend, forever? And they lived in it, and have built thee a sanctuary there for thy name, saying, Should evil come upon us, the sword or judgment or pestilence or famine, we will stand before this house and before thee, for thy name is in this house, and cry to thee in our distress, and thou wilt hear and deliver us. And now behold, the sons of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir, whom thou didst not let Israel invade when they came out of the land of Egypt, they turned aside from them and did not destroy them. Behold, how they are rewarding us by coming to drive us out from thy possession, which thou hast given us as an inheritance. O our God, wilt thou not judge them? For we are powerless before this great multitude who are coming against us, nor do we know what to do, but our eyes are on thee. And all Judah was standing before Yahweh with their infants, their wives, and their children. Then in the midst of the assembly, the spirit of Yahweh came upon Jehaziel, the son of Zechariah, the son of Benaiah, the son of Jeiel, the son of Madaniah, the Levite of the sons of Asaph. And he said, Listen, all Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem and King Jehoshaphat. Thus says Yahweh to you, Do not fear or be dismayed because of this great multitude, for the battle is not yours but God's. Tomorrow go down against them. Behold, they will come up by the ascent of Ziz, and you will find them at the end of the valley in front of the wilderness of Jeruel. You need not fight in this battle. Station yourselves, stand, and see the salvation of Yahweh on your behalf, O Judah and Jerusalem. Do not fear or be dismayed. Tomorrow go out to face them, for Yahweh is with you. And Jehoshaphat bowed his head with his face to the ground, and all Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem fell down before Yahweh, worshiping Yahweh. And the Levites from the sons of the Kohathites and the sons of the Korahites stood up to praise Yahweh, God of Israel, with a very loud voice. And they rose early in the morning and went out to the wilderness of Tekoa. And when they went out, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Listen to me, O Judah and inhabitants of Jerusalem. Put your trust in Yahweh your God, and you will be established. Put your trust in his prophets and succeed. And when he had consulted with the people, he appointed those who sang to Yahweh and those who praised him in holy attire. And they went out before the army and said, Give thanks to Yahweh, for his loving kindness is everlasting. And when they began singing and praising Yahweh, when they began singing and praising, Yahweh set ambushes against the sons of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, who had come against Judah, so they were routed. For the sons of Ammon and Moab rose against the inhabitants of Mount Seir, destroying them completely. And when they had finished with the inhabitants of Seir, they helped to destroy one another. When Judah came to the lookout of the wilderness, they looked toward the multitude, and behold, there were corpses lying on the ground, and no one had escaped. And when Jehoshaphat and his people came to take their spoil, they found much among them, including goods, garments, and valuable things which they took for themselves, more than they could carry. And they were three days taking the spoil because there was so much. Then on the fourth day they assembled in the valley of Barakah, for there, there they blessed Yahweh. 
Therefore they named the place the Valley of Barakah until today. And every man of Judah and Jerusalem returned with Jehoshaphat at their head, returning to Jerusalem with joy, for Yahweh had made them to rejoice over their enemies. And they came to Jerusalem with harps, lyres, and trumpets to the house of Yahweh. And the dread of God was on all the kingdoms of the lands when they heard that Yahweh had fought against the enemies of Israel. So the kingdom of Jehoshaphat was at peace, for his God gave him rest on all sides. Now if you would please turn to the back of your bulletin, we'll read together as a congregation Psalm 60. Psalm 60. O God, you have rejected us, broken our defenses. You have been angry, O restore us. You have made the land to quake, you have torn it open, repair its breaches, for it totters. You have made your people see hard things. You have given us wine to drink that made us stagger. You have set up a banner for those who fear you, that they may flee to it from the bow. Selah. That your beloved ones may be delivered, give salvation by your right hand and answer us. God has spoken in his holiness. With exaltation I will divide up Shechem and portion out the valley of Succoth. Gilead is mine, Manasseh is mine, Ephraim is my helmet, Judah is my scepter, Moab is my washbasin, upon Edom I cast my shoe, over Philistia I shout in triumph. Who will bring me to the fortified city? Who will lead me to Edom? Have you not rejected us, O God? You do not go forth, O God, with our armies. O grant us help against the foe, for vain is the salvation of man. With God we shall do valiantly. It is he who will tread down our foes. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks Thanks be to God. That's not the longest song that will be in our repertoire. (laughs) Our passage today talks about Abraham being God's friend forever, and Galatians tells us that we are the seed of Abraham. And so God's deliverance of Israel out of Egypt to the promised land is the theme of that song and being compared to our deliverance from sin and going to that happy land, which turns out to be the earth. Let's bow in prayer. Father, we pray that you would bless our time together, that you would teach us the lessons of Jehoshaphat that we would remember that Yahweh does judge and Yahweh does become angry with his people and Yahweh is quick to forgive and quick to save and quick to build up. Yahweh is the one who fights battles for us. So bless our time together, we pray in Christ's name. Amen.
stripes that wound scour away evil and strokes reach the inmost parts. So I was watching the news the other day and I saw that uh, Ken Paxton had said and made a ruling that it's child abuse to help a child cross the gender when they're young. And that was tested in court. And uh, by the way, our governor agreed. And that was tested in court, and it's right now been put on hold. Isn't it interesting that if you uh, correct your child and leave a bruise, that is child abuse. But it is not, according to our grand country, abuse to help a child cross genders when, say, 13 years old. Of course, you and I know it's never to cross genders. So a lady was on the news who had Ken Paxton over to her house. As she said, we broke bread together. She has a 14-year-old daughter that's crossing over. And she couldn't believe that she broke bread with him. And then he made this ruling. I just thought to myself, you know, that's a strange expression for someone who's secular to use. We broke bread together. So I take it that lady's familiar with something of the Bible. But she's clearly not familiar with the commandments of the Bible. Or she doesn't care. One of the two. Jesus says, if you love me, you keep my commandments. Those commandments, of course, span the whole Bible. Although some would like to lop off everything that comes before Matthew, as if that covenant is... uh, not operative, but we read the passage today, I will write my laws on their heart and I will place them on their mind. And he is speaking to Israel and he is speaking of a new covenant, but he's speaking of old commandments. Certainly some of them have changed. Jesus says, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. Jehoshaphat's name is uh, quite apropos to the story of Jehoshaphat. It means Yahweh has judged or judges or the judgment of Yahweh. And of course, judgment is based upon a measure. You don't just judge, you have some kind of measure. And the measure of the Bible is the commandments, the statutes, the ordinances, the precepts, the writings, the Torah of Yahweh. Jehoshaphat was a man who was a good king, seemingly. He has two mess-ups. We looked at one last week. We'll use the last mess-up 
for our introduction to his son next week. But he is a man, according to, to 2 Corinthians chapter 19, in whom is some good. Now, remember, nothing good resides within us. So this good that God is talking about is the good that flows from Jehoshaphat's repentance. In chapter 17, we saw three things about Jehoshaphat. One is that he set his heart to seek Yahweh. And he got rid of high places in Ashereth, female goddesses. And we noticed in that paragraph that the text was God was with him. In the second paragraph of chapter, chapter 17, we noticed that what he did, after all, he's the one who set his heart to seek Yahweh. What he did is he sent men out to teach Torah. If you love me, you keep my commandments. And he taught Judah and pushing into Israel, he taught them commandments. And the word we noted from that paragraph was fear, dread. As the nation lived in love with Yahweh, the surrounding nations dreaded Judah. The third thing we saw is that he got greater and greater and greater in the eyes of all the people, over great, a play on words of ma'al, that is, to forsake, to be faithless, but now it's a preposition, and it tells us that Jehoshaphat was completely different than those who, like Saul, inquired not of the Lord, but from a spiritist, and therefore he was put to death. Jehoshaphat then lost his mind, seemingly, and he uh, went and made an alliance with Ahab, and he married his son to Athaliah, the daughter of Ahab. And he agreed to join battle against Aram, which was foolish. And all the prophets of uh, Ahab were saying, yes, yes, go up, the Lord will give it into your hands. Don't you have another prophet who can give us a word from Yahweh? Yes, I have a prophet, a man, who will give us a word from Yahweh, but I hate him. Why do I hate him? because he doesn't tell me what I want to hear. He always speaks evil against me. So Jehoshaphat, having heard the prophecy of Micaiah, who is like Yahweh, went to battle anyway, nearly lost his life, 
except he cried out and the Lord helped him and delivered him. And so he came home. So if you would turn to 2 Chronicles chapter 19. Second Chronicles chapter 19, and it says in verse 1, Then Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, returned uh, in safety to his house in Jerusalem. Remember, Micaiah's vision was he saw Israel scattered on the mountain like sheep without a shepherd. And Ahab proposed that he would return home safely. And Micaiah said, if you return home safely, I did not speak from the Lord. But Jehoshaphat, he came home safely. Then verse 2, Jehu, the son of Hananai, the seer, <clears throat> went out to meet him and said to King Jehoshaphat, should you help, he cried out to the Lord and the Lord helped, should you help the wicked and love those who hate Yahweh and so bring wrath upon yourself? I hate Micaiah, Ahab says. I don't like Yahweh's word, Ahab says. I like Baal's word, not Yahweh's word, because Baal tells me what I want to hear. It sounds somewhat like the people in the United States. I don't want to hear that word that God says. Give me another word. Tell me crossing over genders is lovely, wonderful. So, but Jehu, which means he is Yahweh. In other words, Jehu is speaking for Yahweh. But there is some good in you, for you have removed the Ashereth from the land, and you have set your heart to seek God. So you have set your heart. What in the world does that mean? Well, the word has something to do with the foundation. We might say something like, you've made a foundation to seek out Yahweh. You've established a way in your life to seek Yahweh. And of course, what happens then in verses 4 through 11 is we see that uh, Jehoshaphat has repented because he did hate Yahweh and love Yahweh's enemy. And so he turns and he sends out uh, people into the southern reaches of Israel and around Judah to do what? To make them judges from city to city, all the way back to the inhabitants of Jerusalem. And he exhorts the judges 
You judge in the fear of Yahweh because you are not judging for yourself. You are judging for Yahweh, for the Lord. So that when you spread your Bible open and you look at all of those commandments, you say to yourself, okay, well, Moses said them, but they came from Yahweh. There's Yahweh's commandments. And when you violate those commandments, Yahweh has already given what the judgment is. So what you do is you bring the case before you, you open the book, and you say, this is what you did, and here is the judgment. We don't have judges like that in our country. Of course, our law is not Yahweh's law. Don't misunderstand me. But we have judges who don't want to judge by the law. They want to judge by what they think the law should be. That is the problem right now. The United States wasn't founded that way. And more uh, awful yet is the church. You can open the book and you can look at it and you say, men are going to be elders. And we say, oh, no, 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 I don't like that. I think what I'll do is we'll have female elders. So you look around the Metroplex in Bible churches right now, and women are elders. What do you think God says? Why do you love my enemies and hate me and thus incur wrath? I repeat it. Our problem is not the lost man. We know what they're going to do. Our problem is the one who claims to be found. Who says, oh, yeah, well, you know, culture's changed. Oh, yeah, culture's has changed, so let's change how we do the Constitution. Culture's changed, so, yeah, let's change how we do the Bible. We know better than God does. But Jehoshaphat, he set his heart to seek the Lord. He put in a foundation a method. If I say to everyone, hey, do you seek the Lord? Everybody say, well, yeah, yeah, I seek the Lord. But what was he seeking? Chapter 19 tells us he's seeking himself and for his people to know what Yahweh wants. What Yahweh said is righteous and what is unrighteous. And I say to you, this is what the church needs again, to go through the Bible and say, what does Yahweh say? Not what does man say. And then I add to that and I say, okay, have you established a foundation so that when your kids leave home, they know what Yahweh says? Have you established a foundation whereby your kids, when they leave home, will know Genesis through Revelation? Have you established a foundation where you know Genesis through Revelation? God didn't waste his breath inspiring this work, this Bible, this holy book. He gave it to us because he wants us to know him. And we cannot know him if we don't know his book. That's what Jehoshaphat was all about, knowing the book. 
Well, so you come broadly through chapter 19 and Jehoshaphat has repented because he has shown hatred towards Yahweh and love towards Yahweh's enemy and he has received reproof, a statement of wrath. Should you do this and thus get God's wrath? Now, mind you, when it comes to our sin and we've trusted Christ, the full payment of our sin is taken care of. There is no condemnation. We don't face wrath in that way. Just like a husband and a wife, when they sin against each other, the marriage is not in jeopardy as if it's going to be ripped apart because one is so angry at the other, but they do get angry, sometimes justifiably so, and things get corrected. Jehoshaphat was corrected by Jehu. He is Yahweh. Well, now, when you, you know, straighten out your life, you think you, God comes and he convicts you and you think, okay, I got it licked now. I got things taken care of now. Well, then what's the next thing God's going to do? He's going he's to te test you to see what? What's the word? To see if you're dokimos, if you're approved. God already knows. He knows everything you're going to do in your whole life. The book's already written. Signed, sealed, delivered in heaven. He knows. But you don't know. The testing is for our benefit, isn't it? So that we find out where we are. So that we can pr progress in what God wants. So we come to chapter 20. And it's a long chapter, but it's a great chapter. And so what happens? You got, you got Moab, Ammon. There's, there's a little problem here in verse 1 with the Meninuites. There's probably Edom is what it's supposed to be. They're from the same region. And when you go back to the history... And we just read the history here following the McKinney Bible Church Bible reading program from Numbers. So that when Israel wandered around and they're ready to come into the land and they want to go through this land or that land, and the people said, no, you can't come. And Israel would have crushed them, but God said, no, these are your relatives. The Edomites are Esau. The Moabites and the Ammonites are the children that came from Lot. They're relatives. No, you, you can't do that. But now, these people whom Israel did not invade and did not crush are coming against Israel to try to dispossess them of their land and drive them out. And it's reported to Jehoshaphat. And Jehoshaphat becomes afraid. The word you see is there's a great multitude. It really should be translated something like a great horde of people. It's noisy, it's clamorous, it's huge. And he knows, 
I don't have any power against this great throng. I will lose the battle. So what does he do? Well, he calls the people to a fast to seek Yahweh. And the people come from all around Judah. And they come to Jerusalem to seek Yahweh. Repeated, seek Yahweh. And so Jehoshaphat stands up in the new court. It says in verse 5, it's, well, we're not quite sure what it is, but it's probably a place from the front entrance to where you have to be uh, uh, an official to go beyond it. So it's right between the two places. And he's in that court, and he stands there in the assembly. And, and when, you, when you look through chapter 20, and you see the word assemble, assembly, gather. We're working with the same root. We're talking about a whole host of people, a gathering. And they all come to, to Yahweh's house because that, that's where his name is. And, and today we don't think that way. We, think, we don't think corporately. We think individualistically. And we have to be reminded, no, that's not, that's not what God has. God has a, a body of people. And so we're like Israel. We come on the Lord's day. And we, we read the call to worship to enter into his throne room. And you come to the back end of the call to the worship and it warns us, don't forsake getting together and assembling. And people say, well, no, you know, I don't need that. Do I worship the Lord in spirit and truth? But that's not exactly what that statement means by Jesus. The Spirit should be capitalized. I worship the Lord in the Spirit and the truth. It's not that you can't worship outside the gathering on Sunday. That's not the point. The point is, there's nothing like coming together with God's people. That's where you find God. That's where you express your heart to God. That's where the congregation comes. And so Israel has gathered together, and now the king is going to pray and ask the Lord for help. Notice what he says in verse 6. And he said, O Yahweh, the God of our fathers. Now, just take note of that. I, 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 he's going to say, you know, Abraham, your friend forever. Israel thinks, here we are, clear down to, I don't, I don't know what year, I, I didn't look, say 900 B.C., something like that, maybe even a, a little later. And you go all the way back to 18-something B.C., and that's, that's where Abraham was. So a thousand years have passed. But they live on their history. And what is the church's history? It is not the United States. Our kingdom is the kingdom of God. And our history is Abraham. That's why we sang the song. The God of Abraham prays. Why? Because Galatians tells us, you are the descendants of Abraham by promise. You're not his biological children. No, you're his 
promised children by faith. So when we think historically, ah, let's lay aside some of the nationalism about the United States. It's fine to be in favor of your country. I'm not, I'm not opposed to that. But what I'm saying, when it comes to us, our history is Israel's history. That's why we got to know Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua, Judge. Do you know them? That's our history. So he says, you know, you're, you're the God of our fathers. And so he said, O Yahweh, the God of our fathers, are you not God in the heavens and are you not ruler over all the kingdoms of the nations? Power and might are your. Power and might are in your hand, so that no one can stand against you. And God, you drove out these nations and you brought us in and you gave us this land as our inheritance, God. And we built a house here for your name to dwell. And these peoples that you would not let us invade, now they are invading us, Yahweh. And you're the one that has power. We're powerless before them. So what do we do? What do we do? Our eyes look to you for deliverance. Now, we're not a nation like that. We dwell in the United States. We're part of a kingdom that in one sense cannot be seen. The kingdom of Jesus Christ, that kingdom we're part of. But we're not a whole land of people that were chosen by God to be his people. We're in the midst of this land, and uh, oh, bunches of the people in this land, they're not chosen. We are chosen, but bunches of the people aren't. So we're not exactly like that. But if you think of Israel, here it is, this island with nations all around it, and they're, they're supposed to be this, 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 this great holy nation to which people can turn and watch and they can see, as it says in Deuteronomy 4, what nation is there like this that has such great commandments as statutes as this nation? What nation is there like this that has a God so close to it, so near to it? What nation is like this? Of course, that's even a landmass. We're not like that. God is, God's kingdom is all across this globe. And then there are little outposts all around the world, like McKinney Bible Church, just a little outpost of the kingdom. You go outside the doors when we're gathered on Sunday and all the stuff and people who are all out there not going to church. No, no, they're, they're not a part of the kingdom. We are. So what happens? People have to look to us. Only it's changed a bit in the new from the old. Instead of them just looking to us, we're going out to them. We're living right in front of them in neighborhoods with people all around us who don't know Christ as Savior. They don't see Jesus as King as He is. They don't see any of that, but they see us. And they're supposed to watch us. We're going to be neighborly so they know who we are. And it's not just what flows out of our mouth. Here, I'd like to give you the gospel. That's fine. So we should. 
but that's not the, that's not the, the it's, it's looking at it and saying, wow, look at that family next door. Do you see how that husband and wife care for Do you see how well behaved those kids are? Do you see how orderly that family, where does that come from? Our family's chaos. Well, so Jehoshaphat prays, and he's asking God for help because he's afraid. And notice, at the end of his prayer, in verse 13, it says, All Judah was standing before Yahweh, with their infants, their wives, and their children. When you go up to the house of the Lord and Yahweh's name is there, the whole family goes. It was about a hundred and, I don't know, 50 years ago now, the church decided that, you know, Children are a little distraction. Maybe they didn't decide it for that reason. Maybe it was a good reason. I don't know. But uh, a distraction. Instead of having kids who come sit with the parents because we're, 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 we're ascending. Come on, let's go into the holy place. Oh, but let's leave our kids behind. No, not so. All Israel was standing with infants and all. And so, here we are now. Kids and all in the presence of the Lord. I just want you to notice that. That's the way God intended things to work, with the way the family works. Instead, what we want to do is we want to get kids out so we can hear better, not be distracted. We want to shove our kids off the public schools because it makes our life easier. We want the enemy to take care of our kids. No, not in Israel. They're all standing there at Yahweh's house. That's where his name is. Then, in the midst of the assembly, the Spirit of Yahweh came upon Jehazael. Yahweh sees. The son of Zechariah, Yahweh remembers. The son of Benaiah, Yahweh upholds. The son of Jael, God scatters. The son of Mataniah, the gift of God, or God is the gift. The Levite of the sons of Asaph. And Asaph means you gather. And Asaph is the one who was instrumental in the transfer of the Ark of the Covenant to David's tent. And Asaph was the one who was instrumental in singing, instrumental in the instruments. Asaph is the one who, with his fellow Levites and priests sang that first 
psalm in First Chronicles chapter 16. Yahweh is faithful. His faithfulness endures forever. And so here comes this guy who this whole lineage has given us to tell us something about Yahweh sees, Yahweh remembers. He knows where you guys are. He's going to uphold you. He's going to scatter your enemies. That's Yahweh. And this guy gives a message. And the message is pretty simple. It's the message of the exodus. Here's all Israel out there standing before that sea, and they're all worried. And Moses says, don't be afraid. It's the message of going into the promised land with Joshua. Don't be afraid. Don't, don't, don't let your hearts be troubled. Why? Just as was said at the exodus, the battles not yours. The battle belongs to Yahweh. So what do you do? Well, you station yourself and you see, look, look, behold the salvation of Yahweh on your behalf. And so he tells them. He says, you know, these are people are going to come to Zizi and they're going to come up the way of the ascent to attack you. And you go out and you look. And the word ascent's not there for nothing. The word ascent is there because that's the ascension offering. And the Ave is saying, hey, look, here's Edom, here's Ammon, and here is Mount Seir, excuse me, Moab. Ammon, Mount Seir, these bodies are going to die and they're going to ascend up to God because when the body's dead, the spirit goes back to where it came from and judgment takes place. And so they go out. And you notice, as Hyde read it to us, how they went out. This is really crucial. They went out with the singers in front of the army. And they went out with Jehoshaphat saying, trust in Yahweh. Well, now, wait a minute. You're going into a battle, battle, there's an overwhelming army, and your guys back here have their swords and stuff, but you put harps and lyres and, you know, guys in nice clothing out front of them? How does that work? But of course, that's the point. Yahweh said, look and see the salvation of God. So if they put the army out front, where's the trust? Where's the trust? No, instead the singers are out front saying, his loving kindness endures forever. And that word loving kindness means, it's the word chesed. It's faithfulness to the covenant. So God is going to be faithful to Jehoshaphat and his people, even though Jehoshaphat had 
hugely sinned with Ahab and loved God's enemies and hated God. But in the point of repentance, God says, hey, Jehoshaphat, don't worry. I'll take care of you and your people. And I see what you did, Jehoshaphat. You went and you brought back my people to me after your huge failure by taking the word of God around to the whole nation. So stand, see, look. Salvation belongs to Yahweh. And they go out and, uh, you know, they're looking for guys who are ready for battle. And they see them, and all they see are corpses. Ammon and Moab killed off Edom. And then Ammon and Moab killed off each other. And what was left? All kinds of goods, wealth, so much of it. It took three days to collect it all. They're gathered in the valley. They're in a, you know, it's in a sense. So when they come down, they're in a valley. And there they bless Yahweh. And they name that valley Baraka. Bless. That's the same place that you'll find in Judges chapter 2 where the area is named Bacham, which is weep. So the weeping of Israel because they had turned away from Yahweh in Judges chapter 2 and he sent their enemies upon them has now turned to blessing because Yahweh has defeated their enemies. And so they pick up all their loot and they go back home and they come to the house of Yahweh, all of them, and they sing praises to God. And Jehoshaphat and his people have peace. They have safety. Ahab has none. Now, I know it's time to quit. Just a couple of more things. Chronicles is written to those who were in exile, who were coming back. When you go into exile and you're under, under uh, Babylon and Persia and Greece and Rome, all the way down to Christ, they never really got out of exile. Some of them came back and they established Jerusalem again. But they were always under these uh, imperial guardians, these nations, these empires. And they had no more army. When they went into battle, no more army, all the way down to Christ. And then Christ says to Pilate, my kingdom is not out of this world. We don't fight how you fight. There aren't going to be any guns. There aren't going to be any bombs. No. There's going to be God's word. That's where we stand. And each Lord's Day when we get together, we are proclaiming victory at the cross. And we do it a whole lot in song. Israel went out saying, praising God for his, 
his loving kindness and endures for it. That was an act of faith with the singers out front of the army, the army behind. Every Sunday, every Lord's... His music is so important, I, I can't even stress it enough. And when they sang, what does the text tell us? When God heard the singing, he set an ambush because he'd promised. And we come singing, and God's going to set ambushes all around this globe, and men and women are going to come to Christ, and the others who don't are going to be judged. Because of what? Because Yahweh has promised. And when we sing, we bear witness that we believe the promise. Jehoshaphat said, trust Yahweh, trust Yahweh, he will establish you. And the word establish there is just another form of the word trust. He'll make you firm. Do you believe that? So, let's grow in singing. And let's remember. The point isn't how I feel when I sing. Of course I should feel sing. I should feel good. After all, Israel, they rejoiced because the Lord had given them joy over their enemies. But when I sing, I am proclaiming the church's faith in the promises of Yahweh. And when we go to battle like that, victory will come. Let's stand. Lord God, we thank you that you've given us our hearts that trust you. And now help us to establish them, to make them firm to seek your face, just as Jehoshaphat did, and all the people who fell on the ground in seeking you. Help us to look to you and to know the answers lie inside your word. We don't have prophets today like Jehu. We don't have that kind of prophet. We have something better. We have the word that's made more sure because of Christ. Help us to know it, love it, teach our children, and live by it. This we pray in Christ's name. Amen.